Today is all about construction and renovation with one of the top pros in the industry. You are not going to want to miss this one as construction and renovating are hot topics right now. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. My accessory course has finally launched. It is here. So to grab it, you can go to my website and click on course. Or if you go to my Instagram page, click the link in bio. That's right. I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it. And I love styling for my photo shoots. And most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot. Guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm going to show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's going to be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are going to be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So if you're scratching your head about what to put on your coffee table, what to put on your mantle, how to arrange it, what to put in your bookcases, You're going to want to go click that link in bio and get this course at a very affordable price. I hope to see you there. Today I have with me Renee Berry. Renee is an interior designer based in Wilmington, Delaware, and she is a graduate of the New York School of Interior Design. She is formally trained in practical interior architecture with advanced technical and rendering proficiency. During and following her schooling, Barry worked in the design field in New York. She began in 1993 as an associate in the very well-known Lexington Avenue boutique firm of designer Charlotte Moss. She then spent several years after that as senior designer in the firm of Barbara Hobenross, a well-known New York designer also. Barry returned permanently to Wilmington in 2000 and established her own firm, Divernier Design. She works in restoration as well as new construction and remains committed to the personal attention of a studio practice where she is fully involved from inception to installation in every assignment. This is the second time I've had Renee on the podcast, but we're going to discuss a very different topic today. Because she is such an expert in home renovation and construction, I thought it was very timely to have her on, especially with everything going on in the industry. But as of recent, there are so many people either in the middle of projects, about to start renovation or remodeling projects, or considering starting and trying to figure this all out and where to go from here. So Renee also has her own podcast, which she just celebrated her one year anniversary called the only girl on the job site, which is very appropriately named. And we will talk more about what she has for freebies and services, but welcome Renee with me and let's talk all about it. Hi, Renee. Thank you for being with me today. I know you're so busy, so I'm glad you have the time to come talk to me today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Love chatting with you. 
And I wanted to have you on because we're going to talk about renovations and construction today. We're going to talk about The Only Girl on the Job Site, which is your podcast and your course and what you do. And I, I think that the timing's good. I mean, I know from my end, there's been a lot of phone calls for renovations. So I think people are either in the middle of them, about to start them, want to start them. So I thought before we get into like full holiday mode here, we could have a really informational discussion with you because you're such a, you know, you have so much knowledge that you can impart. So I thought it would be great timing to have you. So thank you. Absolutely. And and I agree. I think right as the holidays hit, I'm hoping that the phone calls and stuff will, will go down a little, but you're yeah. right. There's so much interest in renovation right now. Unheard of interest in renovations. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So mm-hmm. before we start in, give the audience a little bit of background about what you do. Sure. I'm an interior designer. I was formally trained in school and have worked in all sorts of different disciplines from residential to hospitality to large commercial and back to residential. I have worked in Manhattan and then also then left the city and moved to my home state of Delaware and have been practicing on my own here for the last 21 years. I didn't realize that I was working with women in New York that were specializing in renovations. We were actually trained a lot of that in school as well. And it was something that I thought was normal and it was definitely something that I loved. And so when I moved back to Delaware, I continued that practice. I sought that type of work out in addition to decorating and have been doing it ever since, happily so. I think an interior designer has a unique perspective when they are managing renovation projects because we think the whole process through. We know where the bed will likely go. We know where the furniture layouts are likely going to go. We know where a family naturally gravitates towards a certain room. And I think that is that special sauce that can be missing if it's just a contractor and and even just an architect. So I think we are a really strong advocate for our clients and the projects really reflect that. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with that. I think too, we think about how we move through a space. Absolutely. And it's funny, I say it to people like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, your home, you have to think about how you move through it. Like sometimes even we'll be decorating a room and they'll be like, well, we have this many feet at the end. I'm like, but that's a pass-through area to get (laughs) from that room to that room. That is a walkthrough. We can't put furniture. And, And yeah, I think that like the most successful projects have a team where there is an architect, there is a builder, there is a designer, because you sort of get everybody's head together, where the architect, the architect is really focused on, obviously, you know, sound building, but even the aesthetics of the exterior. But sometimes I find with architects, they sort of forget, not the aesthetic, but the function of the interior. <laughs> so the designer comes up to say, well, wait, if you squish that space into here, and you only have a bedroom this big, you can't put a full size bed or a closet, what room will that be for the person? You know, things like that. I couldn't agree more. And and I don't want to say that the interiors are an afterthought, but there are certain areas of a home that I find architects sort of go, 
good enough. And, and that typically is like the secondary bedrooms, secondary bathrooms. They're not really thinking it through. They really focus on, you know, the kitchen, the family room in the past, more so the living room, now the dining room. And, and, but they don't really think about how the rest of the family, if there is one, will, will be living in the space. And they sort of cookie cutter the rest of the space. And, and sometimes it's very successful, but more often than not, I agree with you. There could be, you know, a small change that could make an enormous difference in the day-to-day life. And, and that's really our goal is to, to improve the day-to-day quality of life of our clients inside their own homes. And if we learned anything this past 18 months, we're in our homes a lot. And so if, if they're not really functioning for us, then I, I consider it a waste. I, I can't stand wasted space. Me too. I'm the same. So having said that, let's get into it and talk about Because some people want to just have a GC maybe, okay? Sure. Maybe they're not hiring an architect or a designer. And some people want to be their own GC. (laughs) So, and, And that's really, I think, what your course is geared toward, right? If you're kind of running the job on your own as a homeowner. Right. And so that all came to play during the pandemic. We obviously just physically could no longer go to certain job sites. There were shutdowns in certain states and we physically could not be there. So we, we did our best. It was, it was pretty miraculous what we could accomplish through FaceTime and phone calls. But a client finally was pulling her hair out and she said, I just wish you could write a manual so I could do this on my own. Mm. And I know she doesn't even remember saying that out loud, right? It was just a point of frustration. Mm-hmm. And and she had me on the hook, mm-hmm. right? On the mm-hmm. on the phone daily, more than daily. And and I thought, well yeah, we could do that. You know, it does not mean that you don't need a contractor. I mean this is by no means slinging your own hammer. But but there are there are processes and procedures that I use and designers like me, like you use in order to manage a smooth and successful project. Yeah. And so that's how the course, that's how the podcast and then the course, both named Only Girl on the Job Site, were born. Yeah. Yeah. So the pros and cons of being your own GC versus hiring somebody, it's and a time I, thing, isn't it? It can be a time thing. You know, more often than not, people are managing their own projects. And that could Mm -hmm. be because they don't live in an area where there are people like you and me, could be financially based. It could be they think they can do it. Then there's Mm -hmm. some who think it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. And, and, it can be all of that, right? So I do know that in certain states, the, the term GC, which stands for general contractor, it has some, in certain states, it has to be a specific licensed entity. So really what we're talking about is managing your own project. So in other words, there, no matter what, will be a contractor. Mm-hmm. Some contractors are more adept at handling client relations, client interactions than others. Yeah. And and so it sort of does depend on, on the style of contract that you want to bring on the project, as mm-hmm. well as your threshold for time and pain to, to manage a project on your own. But I do see more people wanting to do that. And it, and it very well could be the dawn of HGTVs and like channels where they see how to run a project and they think, oh, I too can do that. Well, I think another point is to people think, well, if I do that, and I don't hire the designer, I save a lot of money. But what's interesting, I'll use a current example of a bathroom renovation I'm working on. When they had contacted me, I mean, I had done a project for them during COVID that we did virtually that was more of a decorating project. In fact, we were supposed to do the bathroom and then lockdown hit, they waited. And then when they called me back, 
you know, what he said to me was the reason I want to hire you and not just work with the contractor is because they both work full-time, really busy jobs. And he's like, I get that you're going to handle all the project management, all the site management. And boy, has that been a lifesaver? Like we ordered the floor tile that was guaranteed to us in stock. It was supposed to ship with all the other tile. We didn't get the floor tile. We get a call saying, well, it's going to be a little late. We opened the package before we shipped it to you. It was all broken. Okay. But it was on delay, on delay, on delay. This was starting in July. It was as of a few weeks ago, now pushed to like a November ship date that I couldn't rely on. And in October, I started sourcing new tile from, you know, a different tile. And the only reason that took longer than normal was we're so bottlenecked. Normally I said to them, when something happens on a site like this, and it can happen, it did happen during normal times, you could pretty readily find a substitute that was in stock. The problem now was every single substitute I went to, it was like hitting a wall. Nothing was in stock, you know? So finally we found one. But the point is the amount of time I spent Mm -hmm. sourcing that tile and getting that was a lot of time that they didn't have to deal with it. I just was there to show up and say, what about this one? It's in stock. We can get it in four days. They said, yes, everything happened. And that's just one example of what happened on the job of what I took care of. So, you know, I scheduled the wallpaper hanger. I sketch. So it's just, Correct. you know, it's a sur- it is a service. It is Absolutely. just that. And so they understood that from the beginning saying, this is an expense we're going to include in our budget because we don't have the time nor the bandwidth to do all of that. Absolutely. And what you didn't factor in was when you were sourcing, yeah, you had the sources. <laughs> so you didn't have to Google search for sources. You know I mean? Like you saved them, I don't know, countless steps right. because you already had a Rolodex full of sources. And so right. what took you maybe two hours, let's say, yep. would have taken them Days. eight 10, 12, yeah. uh, you know, and how many, you know, horrible sources they would have had to go through in order to find the quality ones that you already knew and vetted. So I couldn't agree more. I mean, there is an absolute need for trained interior designers to manage renovation projects. And I find, and I, I have found through this process of this course, that there are so many interior designers kind of in varying stages in that they either don't offer that service because it is intimidating to them. They don't feel they know enough mm-hmm. or they are offering those services and they are sort of comfortable with their knowledge, but they want it to be even better. And mm-hmm. then there's some that are like you and me that have been doing it for a long time and, and know the incredible value that we bring to a project. So I, trust me, I highly recommend hiring, obviously it keeps me in business to hire someone to manage your renovation project. But what, what I'm finding and what I'm trying to help with is I know this happens to you as well, Jill, you'll go to an event or you go to a cocktail party and you're introduced to someone, they ask you what you do for a living. And the minute you tell them, and let's say you tell them that you're going to you do renovation projects, they launch into the worst nightmare project they've ever taken on. And you're there for 20 minutes, basically like a therapist trying to talk them off the ledge to encourage them to take on a different project and do it a different way. And the whole time I'm listening to the story going, oh, that was avoidable. Oh man, I can't believe, oh no, they shouldn't have done it that way. But they just don't know. And, and they it does sort of puzzle me that this is tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars that people are investing in their asset and they don't seek out 
more help. They truly think they can do it on their own. Mm -hmm. And and some, don't get me wrong, do well. But chances are, if we dug a little under the surface, it's because the contractor held their hand or somebody was assisting them throughout Mm -hmm. the process. Yeah. Well, my point was that, you know, a lot of people are passionate about taking it on their own because like you said, they think it would be fun. They want to. And my point is just ask yourself the honest question. Be honest with yourself about who you are, what your bandwidth is, what you can tolerate because pre-COVID there were bumps. So now the bumps are just way bigger and way more frequent. So you have to, you have to be really flexible. You have to know you know, your patience level, that you're not going to be frustrated, all that. And, and like you said, there's people that are going to be very good at it and really enjoy it. But I think for the first time ever taking one on, if you're doing it now, boy, you're up for the challenge. That's all I'll say. <laughs> because I know my clients would have been like, oh my God, you know, Absolutely. Uh, this is just, you know, I Absolutely. Mean, they already had to be patient and flexible by waiting because this tile never came in because if the floor's not in, I can't install the vanity. I can't, I can't do anything. The only thing that was done was the shower. And so not having the floor tile held everything up. Of course. So, you know, anyway, so having said that, when you are looking for a contractor, what are the things that you think somebody should be looking for? This is such a good question. And I really think people miss the mark on this or they miss the mark more often than they should. I think let's start with what I see happening. I see people like you and I are friends. Let's say we're not in the business and I come to your house and I love your kitchen Mm -hmm. and you say, oh, I hired Joe Smith and he did the kitchen. And you Mm -hmm. you walk out the door and you say, I found my contractor Mm -hmm. and you happily go and hire Joe Smith. You might talk to him on the phone for 20 minutes and boom, he's hired. Mm-hmm. Well, Jill, just like you said, your threshold, you really need to know yourself. You may be laid back and kind of hand the keys over and say, great, do what you need to do. I trust everything. All the decisions are in your power. I, on the other hand, might not be like that. I want involvement at every level, with every step, with every decision making. And Joe obviously worked better for that with you in that regards. So he may not be a good fit for me just because he's a good fit for you. It really, and, and again, like we just said, projects that may have taken 12 weeks before are now taking 20. So -hmm. these people, these contractors and subs are in your life day in and day out Mm -hmm. for a very large chunk of time. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't gelling with them, if you aren't getting along with them, it doesn't matter how great their skills are. Mm -hmm. It is a miserable undertaking for you. I I have clients. They're like, I walk out the door 10 minutes after I let them in because I just don't like being around them. And I Mm -hmm. think, well, who do you, you know, and this of course is me being brought in too, too late to affect the, the hiring. Mm-hmm. And so I see that time and again, and don't get me wrong, having a friend refer a contractor is amazing. And there are mm-hmm. people who move all over the country and would love to have friends in their new home state to be able to refer someone, mm-hmm. but it's just the starting point. You still need to go through the exact same interviewing process as if you are new to the state and are, you know, looking for a good contractor. And, you know, and if you are new, the steps I always tell people, I'm like, if you're there and you're working, you ask your colleagues, start somewhere, start with someone with at least a degree that you know. And if you don't have that, then you start seeking out 
local building supply companies. And I don't mean the big box stores. They just, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how they vet that list that they hand out. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even trust it. But Mm -hmm. every town, every city has local supply companies. They're the Mm -hmm. ones, trust me, they know the good contractors and they know the ones to avoid because they're Mm -hmm. all their customers and they've been around forever. That's Um, good advice. Yeah. All of my guys, you know, they all go to these, you know, lumber yards and trust for some reason, lumber is typically in their name. And yeah. But they'll run by Home Depot and they'll run by a Lowe's if they need something. So it's not that they don't use the box stores, but just don't go to them for a referral. But again, that's all it is. It's a referral. And then the next step I see most people skipping, entirely skipping, is calling references. And Mm -hmm. I get the, well, Renee, you know, they're only going to give me someone that gives them a glowing reference. Well, I mean, of course, there's some truth to that. If I had a bad client, would I hand that name over? No, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not naive to that. Mm -hmm. However, you have the ability to provide an opportunity for that reference to give a good glowing reference and still get critical information that you need, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You don't just say, how was your project? Yeah. And then wait. Mm -hmm. Because of course they're going to say it was great. You ask leading questions. What was the hardest thing that you had to do during the project? What was Mm -hmm. the easiest thing that you felt? What surprised you? Mm -hmm. What would you do differently? Now, any answer to any of those questions still allows that person to give a glowing reference. Mm-hmm. So they're more likely to be honest. And and again, it's your responsibility to try. It's very difficult for, obviously, you're calling a stranger to sort of glean from your conversation. Are they tightly wound? Am I really laid back? Am I tightly wound? And they seem really laid back, you mm-hmm. know, and those are the kinds of things that that become a kind of a personality, almost like a dating situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then once you get through those stages, you need to meet these people. And you need to sit down, not just walk them around and show them their scope of work. Mm-hmm. You need to sit down and really talk to these people and make mm-hmm. sure you like them. Because like yeah. I said, they're the ones coming to your home. And occasionally on these really big companies, you're meeting with the owner and mm-hmm. that's not the guy, right? You may mm-hmm. be hiring his company, but he's not the guy showing up Monday through Friday. So right. you need to meet the person that they're going to assign your project to. And that can be a little trickier because they don't always know. I mean, if I call a big company and I say, I'm going to start a project in June, uh, they may not know who's available in June, but mm-hmm. there are ways to m- at least meet their top guys or whatever, the guy that does projects of your square footage, you know, say, Mm -hmm. but you really need, uh, this is the time to invest your time to really get this right. I just can't stress it enough because that person is going to be your day in and day out contact. And, And if there's any friction, if there's any kind of, you just don't like them, then it's not going to be a successful project. It just won't be. When you're interviewing the contractor, do you find there's two or three pertinent questions you should ask? So uh, typically I I ask their style. How do you work with a homeowner? You know, because like you and I work with contractors, we know, oh, this guy likes it this way or that Mm -hmm. guy likes, you know, like you and I already have kind of an unspoken language with our contractors. Mm -hmm. That's what you need to discern from your interview. Mm -hmm. You know, some guys are like, don't call me put it in an email. Some guys are like, don't email me, text me. You know, Mm -hmm. you need to really get into the weeds about that because if something they're saying isn't going to work for you, that's going to be a problem. And I hear people like, oh, Renee, I hired them anyway, because I really, I really wanted them to do it. 
And I said, right, well, but how'd that work out for you? You know, and they're like, well, it was kind of annoying. And I really didn't like the, the fact that, you know, let's say he, he wouldn't let me email him. I'm like, but, but he told you that in the beginning and, right. and you signed off on that. Yeah. Like, so it, right. And then they blush. I mean, this is like, I can't tell you how many times I've had these conversations and they go, oh yeah, you're right. I, I probably should have hired the other guy. Right. And, and that's actually a good point. I have a woman who had a really disastrous ending on a project, a two-year project. And she said to me, I was not a part of the hiring process, but I started probably the first week. And she said to me, probably a quarter of the way through, when she could tell that things were not going to be fun for the duration, she said, you know, I should have hired the other guy. And I said, oh my God, wait, what? This was not your first pick. And she goes, well, not necessarily wasn't my first pick, but he was the first available. And I Mm -hmm. said, you're kidding me. You hired this team for a two-year project, two years, Mm -hmm. because you liked his timing better. And she's like, yeah, it was a bad decision. I'm like, yeah, it was. Well, that's an important point right now because people are in a rush. I was wondering, you know, obviously there's basic questions like, are you licensed? What about payment? And and the reason that's top of mind right now, I had a client call me about a week ago. She had hired a contractor based on a referral. Everything seemed hunky dory. And to her fault, she said, once he got on the site, she realized that he wasn't licensed and insured. And she said, she took ownership. She's like, "I, I didn't ask him, I assumed. And all of a sudden he started asking for cash and things got really weird. And she ended up having to let him go before the job has even started. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, I should have said that because to me, that's an obvious, like that's Mm -hmm. in the phone call. You don't go anywhere near, you don't go meet, you don't waste your time. You need to make sure they're licensed. And and so for my specific area, I am about, mm, I think five miles from the Pennsylvania border. Mm -hmm. And so I have clients in PA and Delaware all day long. And Mm -hmm. it is an issue because there are lots of Delaware guys who aren't licensed in PA and vice versa. And so to me, it's a, it's absolutely the really the first question. License okay. insured, and then as far as payment. Now, obviously, cash is that's telling. That's all red flags there, right? That means right. Some, he's not paying his vendors. He's probably not doing lots of things. But payments are interesting. And again, you and I are in an industry that where there aren't a whole lot of industry standards as far as payment structures yeah. and fees. I find contractors are a little bit like us, and maybe it's why I don't bristle against it as much. But I do find that there are a lot of different ways of going about it and certain contractors and, you know, will some will take credit cards now. I mean, that's like mind blowing to me. That's Uh, great. Right. And so that is really important. But I also find that that's an area that can be heavily negotiated because if you're not comfortable with a specific payment structure, I have seen contractors alter it in order to, to work with this project, you know, to work on the project. Yeah. That's my point. Just that it should be comfortable. And obviously like initially this gentleman didn't ask for cash, but then all of a sudden he did. Yep. So, and then just luckily they weren't too far in. I know people that are much further in where stuff like this happens and then it's really not good. So absolutely. Yeah. Or they're asking so, for mean, money up front and it's basically because they've probably fallen behind on their own payments and they're now, you know, taking right. from Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, exactly. no, it is. Unfortunately, that is something that is more common than we'd like in that industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's where the references come in, right? If right. you call someone and they said, yeah, the guy asked me to start paying him in cash, maybe that guy didn't think it was a big deal, but that might, that should hopefully be a red flag for you. 
Yeah, and I, I also think that asking questions like, site maintenance, because I've had clients who hired contractors and they'll say, God, they didn't bring the garbage to the dumpster at night. They just left it, you know, in the hall. So even things like that, that are going to annoy you, like, I think you have to say, do you plastic off the rooms? So like, cause I have Absolutely. a very conscientious contractor. And so he makes sure that wherever we're working, it's very sealed off. And clients have commented to me, like, it's so sealed off. It's so great. Like the rest of the house isn't getting dirty. You know, they clean up after they leave. Those are questions to ask because if you're living among it, especially really, you know, mostly if you're living among it, those are important questions to ask. Absolutely. And actually on my website, I have a construction management workbook and there's a, I think it's a two page checklist of all the questions that you need to ask. And Oh, good. That'd be great. And it even goes into, you know, where are you going to put the dumpster? Right. I've had people yes. like the dumpster or God forbid the porta potty. And yes. the client comes home from work and is like, seriously, why is the porta potty there? And you're right. Like, well, what did you discuss with the contractor? Right. Oh, we never discussed it. That's another question to ask to say to the contractor, do you bring in a porta potty or Correct. are you expecting to use mine? I mean, because my contractor will ask, especially if it's a short term job like an isolated room, he'll say to the client, would you like the porta potty brought in? Or is there a bathroom if needed that can be used? Correct. And so and please. But, but some contractors don't even offer that. And so you want to know if they're using your bathroom and expecting to use your bathroom if you don't want them to. You know? Correct. And just every listener, hear me now. Your bathroom will be foul. And I can't explain it. <laughs> I, I really can't. And I am that I am that person on the job site. I go around and I start scolding people. I said, I want to come home with you tonight and look at your bathroom because I know it doesn't look like this. So you are capable of keeping a clean bathroom. I don't Mm -hmm. know what's wrong with people. I don't understand it. These are really upstanding, good guys, and still the bathroom is scummy. So I absolutely, that's on the checklist. Do you want a porta potty? And, And again, that goes to your threshold. Like I have clients who are like, absolutely not. It's not a price privacy issue. It's a cleanliness issue. I want a porta potty. And that's good. Good to know in advance. And I think that really goes to the next point is people are afraid to ask for what they need. And, and they, they sort of lose focus on the fact that they are the client, that they are the ones paying. And I think, I feel like it comes from the fact that traditionally, and I don't know why this is stereotypically, women tend to manage, female homeowners tend to manage the projects. And mm-hmm. it's a very male dominated industry, the whole construction industry. And I feel like they're intimidated to say, you know what? No, I don't want you using my bathroom because they, yeah. they don't want to offend anyone. It's not offending anyone. It's putting a boundary. And mm-hmm. if you do it during the, the initial interview slash hiring stage, it's not offensive to anyone because, right. and trust me, my contractors would prefer it because then they have a boundary that's set and established. And trust me, then they don't have to clean up after themselves. But and it goes on and on. This checklist it includes smoking, right? I know a lot uh-huh. of people don't smoke anymore, but a lot uh-huh. of contractors do. Uh-huh. And where is that appropriate? And where is it not appropriate? And you know, pets right. and what to do with the pets and what the contractors need to be aware of. And right. there's so many little details that you and I automatically think of. And homeowners don't think about it until it's a problem. And then yeah. Then there's the awkwardness. Yeah. Right? Even things like, are you going to be playing music on the site Absolutely. while you're working? Oh my Lord, yes. Absolutely. And that, you know what? Even in my own home, I don't like it. Like one of my guys comes and he, and he used to put the, and I was like, no, 
uh-uh. Yeah. I know I know you for 15 years and all that, but I'm home working. Shut yep. the music off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And those are the things, again, like people, they don't think about it in advance and then it becomes a problem and they don't know how to unwind it. Because yeah. again, these people are in your home. People yeah. seem to lose their ability to put boundaries in place when it's inside their own home. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, my whole goal is to empower people, empower women to say, it's okay to say that. And of course, there are good ways of saying it and there are terrible ways of saying it. That's right. And, and you know, I definitely play bad cop a lot on job sites, but my guys love me. I work with the same teams year after year after year because I'm respectful when I am putting down boundaries or if I need to correct behavior. And and I see clients go terribly wrong and they go into scolding and that never that's never going to work with anyone. I mean nobody yeah. wants to be And I mean like you said in the beginning if the ground rules are set and I think the problem is that sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And so I'm exactly. hoping this episode is going to inform people. But in the beginning if you say we don't want any radios playing on site then the contractor knows that in the beginning and can direct the crew and say, there's no radio. You know, right. I mean, with my contractor, it's not even a question. They just don't, yep. <laughs> they, but there are some where it could be optional and you can just say, we don't want any, you know, radio or any music playing. Well, and keep in mind, if there's multiple trades, they often have their own music. So you can have three different types of music on one floor <laughs> oh and God. it's enough to drive you insane. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I haven't experienced well, that And actually that's become much more of an issue this year because of all of the people working from home. Yeah. That has become a very hot topic as far as what they can and can't listen to. Yes. Now I will say, and actually this is not in the checklist because I do need to abridge it because of it's amazing. We're still learning. Everyone was using earbuds, right? Because mm-hmm. they didn't want or you know headphones because they wanted to still listen to music. The problem right. is, and again this becomes, you know, some of my contractors will say I'm the granny on the site. And and I am because they can't hear me. I'll walk up behind them and they have no idea I've approached. And mm-hmm. if they're holding a piece of equipment, you know, a, you know, a saw or something, I don't want to startle them and, and yeah. potentially hurt themselves or damage a floor or the window yeah. or the wall or whatever. And I've had clients say that. They say, you know, they're all wearing earbuds. I don't know if they can hear me. You know, I don't want them to back into me or, you know, so so earbuds well, there could be children and pets absolutely. or elderly people in the home. Yeah, so you I got to add the, the earbuds onto the list because that is something that needs to be addressed. It's almost a safety issue at that point. For sure. So let's get into permits, when you need <laughs> them, um, why you shouldn't try to get around them. I also think this is another you know, thing you need to talk about, depending on the contractor, are they going to be going to the town to pull the permit or are you the homeowner? Cause I'll tell you, I've had to do it. It is grueling. I never will do it again. I had to do it in my own home, in my first home. Cause the, the way the contractor was, whatever I vowed, I would never do that again. <laughs> These yeah. towns mostly, at least around here in the Northeast are really difficult to work with. So I think permits is a good thing to discuss because I've also been in a situation where the house that, that I bought, they avoided getting a permit. And we had a problem when we went to close and they had to scurry and get a permit real quick on a renovation they had done in the basement. And it can really cause a problem when you go to sell your home. So, you know, short, what is that? Penny wise, pound foolish, right? If you take that shortcut in the beginning, it can really burn you. So I wanted to just discuss permits a little because I think that is something that I hear come up a lot. Like, well, or a contractor said, I don't have to get it. We can sort of get under the radar with that one or whatever. 
Absolutely. I've had that same situation. And again, because I live so close to Pennsylvania, I mean, it's mind numbing you know, how different they are 10 miles apart. Yeah. And, and you have to know like, which permit do you need for this? And which municipality you've got to go to? And this is a township, but this is the city and this is the county. And it, it is mind numbing. And I applaud homeowners who think they can do it on their own, but I also tell them never to do it, right? It's just a waste of time. Permits are not, and, and again, this goes to, it, it kind of amazes me that this is, like you said, always being brought up. Permits are not that expensive couple hundred bucks, right? And so if you're investing $20,000 in a new bathroom, really? You think you're going to save a couple hundred dollars and run the risk of getting caught. And I will tell you (laughs) a little story that a couple of years ago, the client realized that their neighbor didn't like them because they turned them in. They had decided to go without permits and the neighbor called in and turned them in. And so- I've heard of that. Yep. They had no idea that the neighbor felt that way. They do now. And the job stopped until they could get permits. Now, again, it wasn't the end of the world. I think they probably lost a week. But again, was that really worth it? You know, I mean, anyone can see if they're doing construction, there's, you know, 10 trucks everywhere. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand why people try to avoid it. Now, I have had people not pull permits because they didn't know any better. That's a different story and probably a contractor you shouldn't be hiring. But I see absolutely no purpose, no upside in skipping permits. It really doesn't. And like you said, I have heard people get caught in the end when they're trying to sell something. Well, you can't, if there's something that your town requires you to be, and let me back up a little and let people know that you need to check. Hopefully your contractor will be versed on what requires a permit and what doesn't. It varies by zip code. I mean, we have a town five minutes away that has a different permit code than we have. And it just, so you always check with your town on town hall websites or your government websites, local government websites. I think it might even tell you, but whatever you want to investigate it. And if, like you said, if the permit is needed, it's not the monetary, it's very inexpensive. It's a time thing because they have to come and do, you know, the various checks. But if you go to sell your house on something that required a permit and you didn't pull a permit, the lawyers will not be able legally to close the sale. Correct. You can't sell your house. You can't buy a house either. So it's got to be worked out is my point. And to go back to your first point, the people, homeowners doing it themselves and the time, it is a waste of time. And I hope people hear me. It is a waste of their time to go and pull permits on their own because the contractor you hired, who you've just now done a good process to hire the right contractor, he already has his contacts. It will take him a fraction of the time to pull those same permits. And by the way, he's there anyway, pulling permits for other projects. That's right. That's right. Because getting the appointments at the town hall, getting the appointments to the inspector, or during COVID, it's even, you know, but it's it's not easy. It's not easy. Plus, yeah. I'll be fair and honest, they know all the inspectors. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to know the inspectors. Yeah. And, and then lastly, permits are there to make sure the work is done properly. And by yes. properly, I mean, not only legally, but within code. code. And the code's as annoying as some of them can be. And I, you know, trust me, we live with some crazy codes. They're there for your safety. 
Yeah. And while, again, I would argue some of the safety tips, but they ultimately are there for your safety. And I just, I really see no upside in skipping permit. It's inexpensive. Your contractor does them all day long, every day, if you're hiring the right person and they know the inspector. So you're not going to wait six weeks to have an inspector come out. He's going to have them probably, he'll probably have an inspector on in his cell phone right? and say, Hey, can you squeeze me in next week? Yeah. So I'm going to say to everybody out there listening, pull the permit. If it's questionable, pull it, just, just pull it. Now there are parts of things that you do that don't require a permit. That's great. But if it requires a permit, just do it. It's like an insurance policy both for safety and for resale and everything else. And your contractor will know what needs a permit and what doesn't. That's exactly right. And if they don't, you know, if you're in the initial interview, you might want to ask about permits. And if they seem to not know, that's probably a good signal. Maybe they're not a good contractor. Absolutely. What can clients expect during renovations now that is so different from two years ago? I will call it the COVID effect. <laughs> Time. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, okay. these supply chain issues are are absolutely stopping projects. They are creating such chaos on projects that were already started. Mm-hmm. And the the new trend I'm seeing, um, at least in mid-Atlantic states, is contractors won't even start out until certain items are on site, which is mm-hmm. unheard of. So for instance, mm-hmm. windows, they won't even start. Uh, Pella Windows is running 18 weeks right now. They used to be four weeks. Mm-hmm. So, And we were told by the regional rep, a week or so ago that he was told by his higher ups to quote, expect it to get worse before it gets better. So how it gets worse from 18 weeks, I don't know, but we wow. have contractors now they're like, Renee, how can we start and not know, you know, we used to count on four weeks. Well, of course, four weeks for a project that might need windows is not that long. So, okay, mm-hmm. you start the project, the windows come in, but mm-hmm. he said, you know, the problem was six months ago, they were starting projects as they normally would. And then four weeks came and went and six mm-hmm. weeks came and went then 10 Mm-hmm. weeks came and went. And meanwhile, these homes are literally ripped apart and the homeowner's freaking out and, and everybody's upset with everybody, even though nobody can control any of this. So we have contractors now who say, as soon as the windows are in, we'll start. Cause it's like, I, it's the never ending delay. It's what happened to me with the floor tile. Yes. You know, we were willing to wait, willing to wait, willing to wait. Then it got pushed like a third or fourth time. And I just thought, well, if it keeps getting pushed, I mean now, you know, so that's why I said, let's just pull the plug on this because, and they agreed too. They're like, well, you could get another call on that date and say it's been pushed again. It's the never ending. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the lack of predictability. I mean, those of us like you and me who've been in doing this for long enough, we can predict most things, right? And we're usually pretty accurate. Nobody can do that anymore. They just can't. And it's, it's one, to all of us in the industry, it's very unnerving to not be able to predict. And two, it's, it's unnerving to the clients because they're sure. like, why don't you know? And you're thinking, well, turn on the news. This, you know, we, we don't know because nobody seems to know. Yeah. I mean, I was, I liken it to, I mean, it's not that there weren't delays before COVID things could happen on a job site, but you could be resourceful and correct them. And I was telling one of my clients recently, like the difference now is when you go to get an alternative, it's so bottlenecked. It's like, you just keep hitting walls and every alternative, you could find three or four alternatives and those aren't in stock. Right. You know, and that never happened before you could just there was some wiggle room, you Agreed. know, yes. or another vendor might have 
a bunch of it in their warehouse, you know, because this one didn't, you know, but now it's like, no one has it. So I think that's the big difference where, you know, you could sort of overcome the delays before, and now we just can't. Well, and I think because there's so much work going on, we're all doing the same thing. So whoever got to that second or third vendor first got their stock. And now there's, there's a complete depletion of stock. And I have some vendors who, who are hoarding materials. And while I understand why they're doing it, I'm like, you are part of the problem. And they, you know, but they have a business to run, they have employees to keep busy. And, you know, so it is, it's becoming a, a real issue. Well, and I think it's important to tell everybody, even as designers, people in the industry, contractors, even distributors, manufacturers, nobody really knows when this is going to ease up. Like, you know, sometimes things occur and you think, okay, well, you know, this will return to, we don't really know when this is going to return to normal. No. No one has that crystal ball, right? I mean, if anything, I see each week things getting worse. So I hate to say, but they are. I totally agree. And the interesting thing I've noticed is maybe the beginning of this year, industry, you know, watchdogs and things like that would put out emails. I mean, I'm sure you got them too, Joe, like third quarter 2021, we see this turning around. And Mm -hmm. even at the time I was like, "Eh, it seems a little hard to believe, but I I need hope. So I'm going to believe it. I have heard nothing from none of them because they won't put their necks out anymore because no one knows when this is going to end. It really, it's so complicated. It is so global. There are so many moving parts and and everyone says, well, we need to fix this. And they'll say the labor shortage. Well, okay, well, yes, that would help, but that's not going to solve it all. You know, we need things from overseas. I mean, I guess the only upside to any of this is that I'm hoping people are realizing just how globally connected we are. And I don't think we really understood where the products that we purchased were truly coming from, or even parts of those products that we really are globally connected and and made in America is, is something that is very hard to come by exclusively made in America. Most things are put together in America or whatever the term is. Yes, exactly. The parts are all coming from overseas. And and they're coming from all over, not just, you know, not just Asia. But I think I know I've enlightened a few clients when they just didn't realize how much of their furniture was coming out of Vietnam. Tons. People don't realize. And uh, the Philippines too, but Vietnam a lot. Apparently they have overtaken China. They are now our number one Mm -hmm. furniture producer from that part of the the world. Um, Years ago, there was a vendor I ordered from a lot. And I realized at one point, and this was years ago, the stuff was being manufactured in Vietnam. And I was like, oh. And then from there, I just noticed more and more vendors doing that. And it became, so I'm not surprised. I saw like glimpses of this yep. years ago. Yep. But yeah, they've now they've now surpassed you're saying China in production. I was just reading an article that they have surpassed China. Interesting. I believe it. I believe it. I was told years ago when we levied the 25% tax on Chinese goods, what was that, seven years or so ago, five or six years ago, that's when the American furniture companies started pulling out of China and moving Mm -hmm. over to Vietnam. That we used to always, you know, we've always made some furniture in Vietnam, but one of the vendors that I work with who's always been in Vietnam said they started getting competition and they were actually hiring their top guys away from them because they were leaving China so quickly. 
And but I think this was just the final blow. But no, it people just don't understand. But you're right, we're globally connected. And yeah. you know, the tile, a lot of textiles come from Spain and Italy. Absolutely. Ports were closed in Italy. That's actually what happened with our tile and why we couldn't get it. And then it got delayed even further because once it was on the water, stuff's even just sitting on the water. But yeah, we are very globally connected. I think that's a good point. And I've had people even ask me, is this a really bad time to renovate? Should I wait? And you know, my answer is, if you can, like, if you can, truly, like, if you are a family who says we can kind of live with what we have for another year or so and see how this plays out, maybe you want, and, and you don't feel like you can be patient and flexible, then maybe you do wait. You've got to be really honest with yourself about this stuff. Because if you are going to undertake it, my advice is you've just got to be flexible and patient. And if you're going to get really frustrated, it's going to be just really that much more stressful for you. Okay, so Renee, tell listeners about your course and what it covers because I think it's invaluable. I know that you've even said, and I know for sure that designers can benefit from it, but certainly the homeowner, if you don't think you want to hire a designer, or even if you do, I have to be honest, I think this really provides such knowledge that you can go into this process with a lot of knowledge. And to the point I just said about whether you want to wait or not, maybe you want to wait, but maybe you just want to gain a ton of knowledge. So anyway, talk about your course and what it has because it covers everything. I couldn't agree more. And and to be honest, I wish some of my clients had more knowledge about the process of renovations so that you could start on the first day as a collaborating team, right? So much of our time on projects is educating a client along the way that some of the collaborating gets pushed down the line because you've got to sort of get them up to speed. So I think even if you are going to work with an interior designer, this trains you with a level of knowledge and, and you know jargon and what to expect and what to prepare for and how to be you know organized and on top of things. So even if you are working with an interior designer, this course, it would be an amazing asset to that project. And the course, so there are two courses. There is a homeowner consumer course, and then there is a designer edition. Um, the homeowner consumer course really does walk you through step-by-step from the initial, how do you find a list of contractors to even interview, what to do with them, and, and then as the project goes and then it takes you all the way through, not just the nuts and bolts, but the emotional journey that everybody takes on a renovation project all the way through to punch list and how to present it and how to really, truly have a smooth and successful project. And I always want to say, when I say smooth and successful, that does not mean there are not bumps along the road because every single project has bumps. We can't predict how many, we can't predict when, but if you are confident in the knowledge that you have on renovations, those bumps become manageable. So you can still say at the end, I had a smooth project, even though you may have had a dozen bumps, they're not going to be mountains that you can't overcome. And so that was really built for the consumers. And, and then with that course, there is a Facebook group. And so that's where they can jump in and, and share their wins 
and their losses and their confusions. And then there's a live training by me once a month. And you, it's a no holds barred. You should see some, actually, Jill, you should see some of these conversations because it, it really does run the gamut. It just is depending on where they are in that process. And then when I started this with the consumers, designers started showing up. And and to be fair, I at first I thought they were just sort of checking me out as to what I was doing, but they weren't. They were seeking knowledge for themselves so that they could provide a better management service for their own clients or even add that type of service to, to their portfolio. Yeah. So it's great. I mean, I'm just going to tell the audience. So it's for the homeowner and for the designer. There's two different versions Renee has, and actually the link to it we'll put in the show notes, Renee. Yeah, perfect. And so so the designer is still the same course because it is the same steps, but the designers, we go further into the business aspects of it, how to market yourself, how to manage clients, how to manage the contractors, because those are kind of a secondary level that a homeowner or client doesn't have to get involved with. They don't have to worry about that. They don't have to worry about that. And then- But I will just say for homeowners, I mean, oh my gosh, if you really do think you want to take on home renovation projects and maybe more than one, you might, you know, I just feel like this is invaluable because if you're going to do it, you know, on your own or even with a professional, you're going to go in with such knowledge that you don't have. And like Renee said, you know, earlier in our conversation, this is a massive investment in one of the biggest investments, your property that you have. So, you know, absolutely. And you don't want to, you don't want to skip or be. Right. And why would you want to walk in blind, right? When there's, you don't want to be in the dark, you know? Correct. And yeah. so and with the designers, because they're going to be managing more than one project likely, or hopefully, you know, we do two Q&As, two live Q&As a month. And we just had one yesterday. And it was, again, it, it ran the gamut, right, as far as what these designers were doing and what they needed help with. So the courses in both situations, they're, they're lifetime access, because my goal, again, is if you have one good successful renovation, you're likely to take on another, right? I'm tired of hearing people say, I'll never do that again, Renee. I'll never renovate another bathroom because it was awful. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a nightmare. It doesn't have to be a nightmare. It just doesn't. It just I, you know, doesn't. I think you just, yeah. So anyway, let's, um, this has been awesome. This is so much information and Renee has even more. So what I'm going to do is close the show by letting her tell you where you can find her on social media, her website. We'll put it all in the show notes. I believe she has a freebie. So links to that and the course will all be there. So I will let you take it away with that, Renee. Yeah, no, this has been wonderful. And and my goal in, in everything I do is just to share content, share knowledge, because I, I think if... If I can do anything, I, I want people to have successful projects, which ultimately elevates my industry, um, Jill and my industry, you know, it makes us be the professionals that we are. So all of my content, all of the assets in the courses, the freebies, the downloads are all on my website, which is www.devignedesign.com. And on there, you can also listen to my podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site, where again, I share lots of tips and tricks to help you manage your renovation projects successfully. That's great. So again, this will all be in the show notes. And then, oh, on Instagram, your handle is the same as the website, correct? Yes. On Instagram and Facebook, it's both Davinia Design. And Renee also has a podcast called The Only Girl on the Job Site. And that is really great also. So check that out. She produces an episode every week and you can learn a ton there for free while riding in your car, as I like to say. (laughs) 
Absolutely. Or my big thing is listening to podcasts at the dentist. It makes the time go by quicker. <laughs> Before COVID, I had to have a lot of dental work and I felt like I was in the dental chair forever. And what got me through was listening to podcasts. So that's fantastic. <laughs> I always tell people when you're in the dentist chair, put on a podcast. So that's excellent. Anyway, so thank you for being here. This has been awesome. And I know you and I will talk soon. Thanks for having me, Jill. You're welcome. And as always, you're going to want to always head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com. I've got a wonderful new freebie for you called the Room Planner. And most of the time that you're not getting your house decorated, it's because you don't have a plan in place. This helps you cover it all and get it in motion so you can accomplish your home design goals. Go grab it now. It's totally free. And my course is also still available on the website along with so much more. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.